Quadrant as of now. Hopefully the battery's in good shape. Alright, welcome to Hebrew Club. We are in the middle of the first chapter of Habakkuk. We're going to finish the first chapter. So we're about ready to start verse 12. Um, and this returns us to Habakkuk's speech. So what you really have, remember, is the form of a dialogue if you take it that way, which I'm reading it that way. So verses 1 through 4 is Habakkuk's initial discourse, his initial utterance, which, remember, is very bold, and some, like Jerome, would say he's close to blasphemy. And then um, verses 5 through 11, uh, I'm reading it as Yahweh's response. And the response, then, is if Habakkuk's complaint is, hey, there's no justice, um, you didn't save us, notice you're not listening to us, Um, as a result, your own instruction, Torah, grows numb, um, there's no mishpat. Yahweh's reply is, you think it's bad now, I'm bringing the Chaldeans. So he brings this kind of tidal wave of punishment upon the people. So notice how he describes um, the Chaldeans throughout this section as you know, their horses are swifter than panthers and, and they are uh, sharper uh, than the wolves of the evening. See? and uh, how they laugh at every other earthly power. So it's this extremely um, strong, unconquerable force coming in. All right? So what we're getting now is, Yah- is Habakkuk's response to that. And I want you guys to kind of look at what he's doing here. It's kind of interesting. All right? Notice what he starts out with in verse 12. Halo ata mikedem Yahweh, halo hai kedoshi lonamut. Yahweh lemishpat samto vetzor lehokiach yesad to. Okay, starts out the question. Are you not miketem? Um, sometimes from of old, but like uh, Jewish, uh, the JPS version translates it as from everlasting. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord? But miketem from ancient times is another possible translation, but I like from everlasting. All right. So are you not miketem, O Yahweh? My God, Kedoshi. My God, my Holy One. From Kadosh. Okay. Lo Namut. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But it just translates, we will not die. Okay. Um, o Yahweh Lemishpat, for judgment, Samto, you set him up. Notice the, the pronoun refers back to the Chaldeans, most likely. All right. Yahweh for Mishpat, for, and I would translate here as justice or judgment, um, you appointed him. And, O rock, lehokiach, to, everyone see the root of hokiach? Yakach, to rebuke. To rebuke, yasadto, you established him. This is from the root yasad. It's a call, second masculine singular, perfect, plus third masculine singular suffix. Okay? So Yahweh for mishpat, you appointed him, and, O rock, for rebuke, see, or in order to rebuke, you yasaded, you founded him, or established him. Alright? Now, a couple comments about this. Notice the feeling you get. Notice what he's doing. He's talking to God, and um, he's telling God something he already knows, in effect. Notice, you are from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One. Alright? So, uh, um, he, he asks this question, are you not from of old? The obvious answer is yes, right? Notice the feeling you get 
when you listen to Habakkuk, and I think it's interesting, you get the feeling with this kind of question that Habakkuk is setting you up. Notice that in human speech, um, uh, if, you, if I would say something like this to you, didn't you come here to help? What would you be anticipating that I'm going to say next? Sorry. What's that? Either start helping or why did you do this instead? See, in other words, you're expecting a follow-up. Right? So notice when he says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? All of a sudden you see that he's setting them up. So really what Habakkuk is doing in these three verses is starting to weave a trap. That's interesting. And I want to call your attention to Lo Namut because this is something you find only about 18 times in the Bible. You'll notice the textual mark, uh, 12b. You see that read with the T-I-Q-S-O-P-H. That's Tikkuni Sofrim. Sofrim. And that means an emendation by the scribes. These are marked in different places in various Hebrew manuscripts. All right. What the Tikkuni Sofrim is saying is that the Masoretes here are suggesting that earlier scribes emended the text. And they emended the text with these corrections specifically because there was something that offended, that would uh, cause offense or something that, was, that God wasn't spoken of with the greatest reverence or something like that. See? So, for example, they're suggesting here that the original reading was Lo Tamut, you will not die. All right. So, in other words, you're talking about God in two of a human terms. That's the supposed reason for the emendation till to we will not die. All right. So, uh, they're suggesting that the original reading is Tamut rather than Namut. So, you will not die rather than we will not die. But you notice, we will not die is a little harder to make sense. You can make sense of it, but it's harder. Now, again, which is the regional reading or better reading? It's very hard to say, and people kind of debate that in any particular case here. There's another one in Genesis 18 where the text says, Abraham stood before Yahweh. And the Tikkuni Sofrim is it's actually Yahweh stood before Abraham. And they said the tech, they changed that around because to stand before someone also implies uh, servitude. See? So in that context, they didn't want that. So that's what that suggests. So you'll see these. There's like 18 of them. So it's not that common. What What is the uh, the tikkuni sofrim? Okay, sofrim means scribe, sofer, mm-hmm. and tikkuni means an emendation. So it'd be the emendation of the scribes. So they're saying that this should the scribes actually change it to namut in earlier. Uh, transmissions of the text. So it's a kind of an interesting phenomenon that you see not that often in the Bible. <laughs> so why is that in the apparatus? The oh, the VHS, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. In some manuscripts, they mark them and some they don't. So, for example, in the uh, Leningrad, evidently they don't have them in the Masora. Um, so, and the VHS apparatus marks, I don't know if they mark all of them or some of them. Um, this one place that I read said the VHS has some of them in their apparatus. So that's why you're finding them in the apparatus, but you don't see any Masoretic note about them. Kind of interesting. All right. Any other questions about verse 12? Yeah. Just, there's a big difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament with the scribes, how it was handed down in the New Testament. You get 
I mean, Chloe would tell you, you know, there's all sorts of instances <coughs> where people are trying to, yeah. you know, make sex a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. More orthodox or whatever. Or right. Orthodox or whatever. And yeah. you, you don't see that as much with uh, the Hebrew Bible. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's a good point. Who knows how many of those weren't, uh, you know, you just don't have any other evidence for them. And, uh, but here's one instance that maybe you do have this orthodox concern, but... Who knows when it happened, or if that's the reason for it here? But most of the Takuni Sofrim seem to be of that type. Okay, something is said inappropriately about Yahweh. All right, verse verse thirteen. Tehor Tehor Enai Meraot Ra the Habit El Amolot Kol Lama Tabit Bogdim Tacharish Bevelah Rashatzadik Nemenu. All right, here notice how he flatters Yahweh again. Pure are your eyes, Tehor. Okay? So, um, pure are your eyes, or pure of your eyes, may reot ra, from seeing evil. Notice that that reot is a simple infinitive construct plus the min. And this is kind of an elliptical comparison. So, we would use the word T-O-O-2. So, um, your eyes are too pure to see evil or to look upon evil. All right, and there's other like um, um, uh, you are mightier than us, or you are too mighty for us. You can have that kind of phrase. Atsam, atsamta. I think it's atsamta mimenu. You are too mighty for us. All right, so your your eyes are too pure to see evil. The habit, okay, and to look upon amal. Trouble, low to call. You are not able. Can I think about that, what he does here? Um, see, so it's almost like um, this, if I would say this to you. You're too good to be here. See, so notice, um, you're too good to be involved with that. So notice it's almost that kind of, so notice it's flattery, it, it, it's not kind of genuine praise, I don't think. He has something else in mind. His motives are otherwise, and that's to call into question what Yahweh has done. We, we become, that happens, comes very clear in the next line, see. Notice also that as readers we tend to assume that he's right, but he may not be right at all. He's just saying that. Who says that Yahweh can't look upon Ra or Amal? See, notice it's kind of almost giving a false uh, attribute of who God really is. So Habakkuk's doing a number of things here in his planning, and it comes clean in the next line. If all this is true, see, he's got him trapped. It's like he's leading Yahweh down this path. The answer, well, sure, I'm from of old. See, yes, for judgment I established him. Yeah, my eyes are too pure to look on evil. Now you've got the trap which he closes. Why do you look upon Bogdim? Why do you look upon treacherous people? That's a participle from Bagad. Why do you look, and notice now, to look here means um, to uh, look in a good way, to have consideration for. Why do you have consideration for Bodim, for these people who are acting faithlessly or treacherously? Yeah, see, to look with toleration, to, to look with deference or something like that, to look with regard for. All right. Okay, notice you stop there with the Masoretes. So, uh, I love this. Why do you tolerate Bodim? Tacharish, you keep silent. Notice that that's a hifil from Harash, to be silent in the call. Here the hifil. You keep silent. 
Bebala. In the swallowing of wicked, one righteous from him. Okay, Bebala is a PL infinitive construct. The, uh, and it, the subject is Rasha of the infinitive construct. So, when you are silent, Be, temporal, when a Rasha, when a wicked person, Bala, swallows up a righteous one, then now it's comparative. See, one who is more righteous than him. Okay, so again, why do you look with regard? Why do you have consideration for Bogdin? You are silent when a wicked person devours one who is Jadik, one who is more righteous than he. Notice what kind of question that is. It becomes almost what? An accusation. See? Notice how it's not, you don't even, if we're following this argument, it doesn't even become a real kind of question. It's not like he's really asking for information. He's more as putting it forward, here's the trap. You can't, you know, given the premises that Habakkuk has, sent, has put up, he's trying to trap Yahweh into, you know, if, if you're too pure to look for evil, if you set him up for Mishpat, for justice, then there's no, you have no answer to this question, so to speak. See? So notice Habakkuk is still being very bold. He hasn't really been humbled by what Yahweh has said. It's kind of gotten him more angry, really. And his, his argument goes on uh, in the next verses here. All right? Uh, any questions through verse 13? Yeah, well, um, first line in verse 13, the Vehabit. Yes. What is that? That is an infinitive construct, Hithiel from Navat, okay. to look at. And to look, so yeah, so it is parallel with Re'ot. Yeah. Okay. So you notice it's all fronted with the verb. And to look to trouble, you are not able. So in good English, you are not able to look upon or look with regard on Amo, on trouble. Is it always in the Hithiel? Yeah, Navadi generally occurs in the hip because uh, we've seen it, we saw it before, right? Good. Okay, verse 14. Bata'asa adam kid hayam keremes lo moshel bo. And as a, see, now notice I'm kind of following along here, and as a result, you make man like the fish of the sea. This is a simple construct plural from dog. Dog means a fish, so this is the plural of that, degim degay. So you, as a result, you have made man like the fish of the sea, like a remes, like a creeping thing. Now notice, which is implied here, no one rules over him. See, whom no one rules over him. So notice you have the resumptive pronoun, but you don't have the asher in the relative clause. As a creeping thing, over whom, over him no one rules. Okay? So in other words, what has happened by your actions is that any kind of uh, order and hierarchy in people has been done away with. Everyone is just kind of the same. You're thrown together like fish in the sea. Alright? Over whom there is no Moshe. Alright? Kulo, 15, this is from, I'll talk about this later. Kulo, Bechaka he Allah yegorehu bechermo veya asfehu bemik marto al kein yismach 
the Yagel. Here you get your fishing terms in. You guys are fishermen now. Just remember all these terms. All, right. all of him. Again, that ending there is the same as we had in verse 9 with the Kulo. So it is a third masculine singular suffix on Kul, his totality, or all of him. Um, Bechaka with a hook. Hey Allah. He brings up or has brought up. This is a hippial perfect from Allah. And it's a notice that you would expect Hetla. Two segols. Segol and then a Hatev segol. But uh, you get this form um, and um, the grammars don't say why. It's just kind of an alternate form. Instead of Hetla, you get Hey Allah. You'll find it in the lexicon as well. Um, all right. Notice that the uh, uh, Qumran has a different, has the imperfect. All right. So all of him with a hook you bring up. Yego rehu. This is from the root garar. Call imperfect. It's not a very common root, so don't sweat it out. It means to drag. He drags him bechermo. Cherem means net. So chaka is hook. Cherem is net. So his totality with the hook he brings up, he drags him with his net. In other words, he's talking about the Chaldeans to other people. See, so they just drag, you know, Chaldeans act like um, people are like the fish in the sea. See, there's no distinction. You just kind of get what you can. Okay. Uh, and he gathers him. This is from Asaf, call imperfect. And he gathers him with Mick Marto, this is another kind of net, another fishing net. And he gathers him in his fishing net. So you have Chaka, Hook, Cherem, Net, Mikmeret, Net. Okay? Therefore, Yismach Vayagil. Therefore, he rejoices and exults. Okay, and it's again talking about the Chaldeans who are like these fishermen who just drag their nets through the sea and get what they can. Well, is that a transitive or an intransitive verb? I mean, can we use that? The yagil? I'm always taking like, yeah, the yagil. Right. We say like, in, in Hebrew we say he exalts, but in English we always use it, he, we exalt something else. Oh, this would be more like exalt with the meaning of to rejoice. Right. Does, so that, even, does that even work in English? He exalts? Is that a... You would, well, yeah, in older English. Is it with a U? Exalt? Yeah, exalt would oh. be better. Exalt means to lift up. Yeah. Right. So therefore, he rejoices and he exults, or he re, he rejoices and he is filled with joy, or something like that. So that a lot, that yeah. combination. Yeah. So samach and gil are both um, synonyms. Very good. Any questions through fifteen? All right. Verse sixteen. Here again. Al Cain is a beach lechermo. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net. Right, and again, the PL is generally used in offering foreign sacrifices. It can be used for Yahweh sacrifice, like First Kings does it too. But uh, Yezameach is also um, for foreign sacrifice. See? So therefore, he sacrifices to his net. Vikater, and he offers incense. Again, another PL from Qatar. And he offers incense to Nikmarto, to his fishing net. All right, so notice he worships... Again, it goes back to what was previously said about the Chaldeans, in which they do things on their own. They're very independent. They have no acknowledgement of another god that is the source of their help. So here he's saying, you know, they have the nets. They catch fish, and what do they do? They don't 
thank God, they just worship their own nets. Okay? For Bahama, for by these shaming Chilko, for by these his, his portion shaming is fat. See, for by these or with these his portion is fat, shaming. Uma akalo, and his food is beria, and his food is fat. Notice that beria is a feminine adjective. Right? Bari, just with an aleph at the end, would be the masculine. And it, the, the strange thing is that notice it modifies ma'akal, which is masculine. So you have an incongruence in, in gender. Ma'akal being masculine, beria being feminine. Does everybody see that? Mm-hmm. Okay, now look at the footnote, 16a, and tell me what they are suggesting happened in the text. First of all, see the Q. That means what manuscript are they referring to? Qumran has what? Bari. Um, with a yud, they suggest you read. So they're suggesting that you read, instead of beria, bari. So what are they suggesting you read? The masculine. And then in the parentheses, they have the hey with the DTTG. So what are they suggesting happened? Anyone know that what that DTTG means? Ditography. Okay, a doubling. And notice if you see what the next letter is in verse 17? A hey. So what they're suggesting is that sometime, some, at some point in the transmission of this text, remember there's no spaces between words, no vowel points, no accents, that the hey got put in there twice. See, so that you shouldn't read the feminine there for the masculine. All right. Um, what is that? Um, one, you know, berry. That means fruit, right? Uh, First fat. Part, it means fat. So both of those. Mean peri- uh, you're thinking of peri. Okay. okay. Peri means fat. But why well, do they have two examples there? Peri and one with a yod and one with a. Oh, sometimes yeah, because uh, just a different spelling. See, so notice the aleph there really serves to help you. Remember, with any vowel points, how are you going to... The, the aleph is actually serving as a uh, vowel marker in the, in the second one. So sometimes, remember, you have to remember there's no vowels in the text. So if you take all the vowels away, that looks like to create. Well, in the Qumran, they actually wrote it with a yud instead of an aleph. Mm-hmm. So you read bari. Okay? Last... last uh, 17 real quick. Ha'al. Okay. Um, therefore, Yariak, he empties his net. He makes empty his chermo. Okay, and notice it's a question. So, therefore, will he kind of keep emptying his net? Alright, Yarik. Vetamid, um, and continually. Vetamid. Laharog, this infinitive construct, and it means to, to, to kill. Harag, call infinitive construct. Continue to kill nations. Lo yachmo, which he does not pity or will not pity. From Kamal, a call imperfect from Kamal, which he will not pity. So therefore, will he, something like, will he continue to empty out his neck and continually... Will he be slaughtering nations without compassion, or on whom 
he does not pity, or whom he does not pity. So notice that's Habakkuk's argument, that he's going too far, Yahweh's going too far in the Chaldean, allowing the Chaldeans uh, to do what they're doing. Well, it's a question because of the hay in front. Yeah, because the hay in front. Right. Right. Um, and again, 17a, Qumran. Notice that uh, the Qumran manuscript, Septuagint, a lot of witnesses don't have the hay. All right. Good enough. We will start chapter 2, which is a big chapter for us next time. Thanks very much.